Persons under 18 will not be admitted. What's up, everybody? This is Jeff and Ben. Um, talking with the dead. And still talking with. And still talking with. Still talking with is our live show. Yes. You can catch that every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. That's yeah. Eastern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You live yeah. in fucking California. It's got to be three. No, four. Four? Yeah. They're oh. only three hours behind. What about daylight savings? Yeah, well, fuck that. We'll worry about that one. Okay, so if you're on the West Coast, you're going to have to look up when 6 o'clock is out there compared to here. Which would be actually 7 o'clock out there. 7 o'clock? Yeah. No, before this is over, I'm going to need a whole lot of serious therapy. You're all fucked up today. Another dollar for the swear jar. I'm always fucked up. <laughs> you should tune into the show and see really how fucked up I can get. Oh, yeah. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And when you do tune in, you're going to see amazing guests like this. Hey, what's up? This is Jeremy Palco from The Walking Dead, and this is Still Toking With. Hi, I'm Larry Kenny, and you're listening to Still Toking With. What's up, everybody? It's comedian Sherwin Array, and you're listening to Still Toking With on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Hey! Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token With. My name's Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, this is going to be an awesome show. But like my, <laughs> my monkey skills are being tested to the to the brink here because uh, we, we got a little back end screw up going on. But I'm fixing it. I'm fixing it. Uh, so uh, without further ado, Mr. Benjamin, how's it going, bud? You are fixing it. You are fixing it, Leo. Working and on, uh, working on, working you on. are you are the man behind the scenes that keeps this crazy train rolling yeah let's just leave it with that one leave it with that one. i'm super excited about tonight's guest you oh hell yeah i mean he's only been sitting backstage for an hour and 40 no i'm just kidding <laughs> but yeah i'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really nice antlers you like my antlers huh i like it's, your antlers you get the nice antlers going it's the on it's the christmas there, season yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well true that it is the christmas season yeah so um yeah we had a little delay but that's okay usually we can blame the guests but that ain't gonna work tonight you know he was actually on time so we had fun chatting behind the scenes while these two other monkeys tried to figure shit out you know but uh yeah let's just bring him in oliver robbie's robbie robbie hello everyone it's good to be with you guys i always do that shit on purpose don't take offense (laughs) oh yeah one thing we forgot to tell you backstage jeff likes to mess with people's names that's good you have to do that you have to you have to keep us on our toes you know it's really important right 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 right, right Right. Well, I've I've had to practice all day, just so you know, because in my head, you're Robbie. I know. I'll forever be Robbie. I'll forever be Robbie Freeling. You know. You know what I mean. I feel like I'm Robbie Freeling. I think I was the carnation of that kid, and and you always keep a little of that inside of you, and I'm forever that kid. You know. Right. And it's really interesting when I go to shows. Like I was there with my girlfriend, and this person walks up to me and says, "Are you are you his mother?" And so it was really interesting. I mean, people forever see you as 10 years old. And they're like, and she's like, no, he's uh, he's 50 years old now. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But in your mind, you're always 10 years old. And, I, and I'm kind of the same way. I see people. I'm like, oh, my God, you had to grow up. And I say, you know, you have to because, you know, the alternative is actually worse. That is true. That is yeah. true. Right, <laughs> right. So, you know, for the slow people out there, because, as you know, sometimes it takes people to catch up to what's going on. You uh, you were one of the stars in the original Poltergeist. You played yes. Robbie. 
Yes, I was. Right? I was. The, okay. I was. I was the kid. Just wanted to clarify that for the people that were like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Like, who, who's this guy? <laughs> I don't recognize his face at all. He has like a beard. Yeah, I don't remember him with a beard and poltergeist. You know. But anyhow, so yeah, I was. I was the kid, and I was. <laughs> I was eaten by the tree and strangled by the clown doll, and that's that's my claim to fame in the movie. I and I survived both those things. That yes, and that's a very that's a very interesting story that I read somewhere with the clown doll. But we can get into that in a little while yes. if you want. Yes, of course. Uh, look at it. Yeah. Now everybody's going, huh? What? Oh yeah, no, I I read that myself. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I read that myself. Never take um, angry, psychotic, possessed clown dolls. That's all I can say. It's right? my it's my word of advice for everyone out there. If you, if you come <laughs> into contact with a possessed clown doll, just just go the other way. Just don't even try to negotiate. There isn't any winning. So are you, um, since that all happened and went down, are you actually afraid of clowns now? You know, it's funny. People ask me that. and I I'm bet, actually, all the time. All the time. Well, actually, I was afraid of clowns before I did Poltergeist, you know. And I kind of just tapped into that fear. Um, and because they asked me during the audition, they said, Oliver, like, um, they didn't say anything about the story. They're like, <clears throat> What are you like afraid of? And I'm like, well, I'm afraid of the tr this tree outside my window. I have this <laughs> that I'm afraid of. I basically mentioned everything the character, um, you know, and and guys he was afraid of. And you know, I was afraid of a lot of things as a kid, so it was really easy to do. Very, very cool. So, I mean, we might as well just get into it. So, so with the clown, how was it? How was it like Steven Spielberg actually saving your life? You know. It's really people tell me about that, and this is what's really funny about that story. Is I don't remember it happening at all. And well, I'm, you turned blue. No, no, I, <laughs> I supposedly I did. I mean, I was my mom, and I asked my mom at the time. I said, "Did this this really happen?" She's like, "Oh yeah, Stephen got in there, and he saved he saved your life." And I'm like, "Okay, if my mom said it, I know it's true." And um, yeah, I guess what happened was the fabric of the clown doll kind of wrapped around my neck, you know, when those kind of things happen on set and. I almost suffocate. <laughs> no, but Stephen got in there and and just grabbed it off me, and I was. And he, I can literally say that Stephen Spielberg saved my life. That's uh, that's wow. a story. That was that was that final cut. What? <laughs> that 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 never made it into the movie. That was like that's behind the scenes action. That's too bad, <laughs> right? Because yeah, it would have been like well, well, it would have been real. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I guess it would have been real. Well, you yeah. get cut just before Stephen comes running in, you know? Yeah, no, that, I think, you know, ILM would have made it beautiful no matter what happened. You know, they're so right. amazing with all their special effects. Right. So you know, I'll tell you, you know, when I w first watched that movie, I mean, there's a lot of freaky shit in that movie. Just a lot of freaky freaking shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the scene to me that stands out mm -hmm. and always has is the truth. Oh, I know. That... It's brilliant. That Steven creepy Spielberg. motherfucking tree. And ever oh. since, I love creepy <laughs> trees. I think every kid has that tree outside their window they're afraid of, too. And what's so great about it is that, you know, Steven Spielberg wrote this original screenplay. So he tapped into all his childhood fears. And I don't think before that time in cinema that had ever been seen before, where you had a, you know, a, a diabolical, psychotic, possessed tree blasting through a window. I had never seen that in movies. It was so... No. I, if I can use a Hollywood term, so fresh. It was really fresh, yeah. and it was so original and so great, you know, because it was so real, you know. Yeah, the only thing that comes to my mind was in, in, in regards to that is uh, the Wizard of Oz with the apple trees. That is true. I mean, yeah. everything builds on everything else, so I guess right. maybe subconsciously. But those weren't creepy, you know. Well, except for the the little person that hung himself in the background, but you, you know. But there's so many other creepy right. things in Oz, like the witches and. Those things were scary. I mean, I was I was terrified by that movie when I saw it. Right, right. I think it was pretty hardcore, especially for 1939. I can only imagine what people thought when they saw it. And and we're coming to this with you know after seeing Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, and you still look at Halloween, still look at Wizard of Oz, and you know this is kind of creepy. Yeah, it's not it scary. Creepy. It's creepy. It is it's creepy. creepy. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard to do that in cinema. It's really hard to get that tone and that feeling in a movie, you know. Um, and uh, when you do it, it, when it's right, it's so genius, you know. And it's usually by accident, <laughs> <laughs> or so you like to think. Hey, why not, right? But uh, so what? Uh, what? Go ahead. 
No, oh, all those things are really yeah. improv and not planned. And, you know, you really, and I think those are the most organic kind of moments, you know, that you get in movies, you know, that, that make them so real. Right, right. Now, were you, uh, were you hesitant to do Poltergeist 2? No, I was excited. I, okay. As a matter of fact, I couldn't wait to do this movie. And I was beat up every day. I was This is before bullying became a thing in the world. I was bullied by kids, and I was thrown in the trash can every day in eighth grade. And I, I, was looking, I was looking for a miracle to get me out of school so I wouldn't be beat up anymore. Lo and behold, MGM calls up, and they tell me, they say, Oliver, we'd like you to be in the sequel to Poltergeist. And I'm like, when are we shooting? And I said, we're shooting during the school year. And I'm like, yes, there is a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then movies were disappointed because they couldn't throw me in the trash can anymore. Um, and I did school on the set. You know, you're supposed to do like three hours, and I was doing all my work on the set. Um, so that was, I was so excited to do the sequel. You know, it was great. Excellent. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't nearly as good, but what, what I was going to say is, what's it like 40 years later? To, I mean, celebrating the 40th anniversary of Poltergeist to still see this movie kicking ass i mean it just i i know it, it it's amazing it's it's hard to fathom that it is 40 years old and you know it makes you wonder and i thought about this i was talking to my other friends at some of these like horror conventions i'm like what film today is going to be what we're going to remember 40 years from now that's going to that's actually going to be you're going to be able it's going to be able to release it in theaters and people it's going to hold up and yeah. i don't know what i don't there's not that many movies i don't know that are out today that are actually like that so it is, it's kind of a amazing. handful. What? Yeah. There's a handful. Yeah. For, or we don't know, you know how audiences will perceive it. You know, right. it's funny. I watched it again. Um, at Universal, they released it for 40, the 40th anniversary. And it really was great. And I, I know I'm a little prejudice. I was in it, but even if I wasn't in the movie and I was watching this just as an audience, I was thinking, this is a really great film. And the performances are so real. And Joe Beth and Craig, seem like they're married and mm. those are perf performances are really i would say authentic you know yeah yeah um, it was it was definitely cinematic magic i can mm -hmm. say that i mean everybody everybody that was in that movie and i mean everybody all the way yeah. to your you know your, your quick cameo walk-ons it everything just clicked perfectly yeah and i really credit that to the team i mean you have steven spielberg who wrote the original script with michael grace mark victor and then toby mm -hmm. he was a great director of children um, and cause I really didn't have a lot of experience. He created a set where it was so calm and I could pretend to be a kid and, and not pretend to be a kid, be a kid and, mm -hmm. and pretend to be Robbie. And he said, just go with it. And I, I loved a lot of lines, a lot of moments, and he was always open to suggestions. And, and I learned, you know, a lot of filmmakers are pretty fascist. They're not normally like Toby Hooper, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think because he created that kind of environment, um, on the set, you got those performances from everybody, you know? I could see that. Could yeah, see that. more relaxed, not forced. Yeah, you know, you want a kid to be a kid. Because, you know, at the end of the day, a kid doesn't have the training. He's not, not a Shakespearean actor. You need him to be natural and feel free to just be a kid on the set and perform in those scenes, you know? No. So when I was doing research and, and uh, mm -hmm. everything that kind of came up, you're you're like known as a child actor, but you're still acting. You're still doing stuff. You've been doing stuff all along, right? Well, this is the thing. I I gave up the film industry for a little while. Believe it or not, I was a yep, stockbroker. There was some empty years there. Yeah. yeah well, I'm. <laughs> I was a stockbroker and I was trading securities. And my father was a portfolio manager on Wall Street. So I, you know, unfortunately, the film industry is so hard to make it in. Um, I needed to make a living. So I did that. But I always realized my passion was always filmmaking. And I went to film school at USC. I graduated and I've worked on other films. And I love, believe it or not, I know I'm in horror, but I love family movies. I, I wrote a Hallmark Channel movie. Which I was going to say. I created June premiere. And it was really great. John Schneider was the lead in it. And I think it's out there like on Amazon. I loved it. It was such a, it was a great, it really turned out well. And the director of it, strangely enough, he was the second assistant director uh, our second assistant cameraman on Jaws. And I guess, wow, cool. yeah, I know, the director of this Hallmark movie I wrote. And I said, I wanted to talk to him about it. He was like, oh, Oliver, I don't want to talk about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that shoot was really, it was really tough. I can only imagine. Because I shot one film on the water just for one day. 
and it, everyone was throwing up. I, this is out, you know, near Santa Monica. And I think I was the only one that didn't throw up. I came really close. So I can imagine shooting an entire movie on the water. I can only imagine that must be like hell. Yeah. Maybe. That's I never idea. thought about it like that. Yeah, yeah I never I thought about it like that. that either. Yeah. No, I mean, you have, because you have, imagine just you're bobbing along and you're trying to do all the same filmmaking, but you're, the world is moving around you and I have all the water. And, and yeah, it's, it, it seems simple, but once you're out there, you have no control over the environment, like at all. Right. Oh, that is true. You know, yeah. that is true. Well, also, with uh, Jaws, the shark kept on breaking down, too. That's what I, that's what I read. So, yeah. you know, and that's the thing. They credit the, you know, Verna Fields. Um, um, she they credit her i think mr spielberg credits her with coming with the idea for the point of view of the shark because they said we, this isn't working we don't know how we're going to make the storytelling work so that she came up with the idea for the pov of the shark that dun 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 and you know john williams you know came up with that amazing score to go along with that mm. we uh we had the uh the boy who uh well he's not a boy now but he played the little oh, kittener yeah. kid oh um, right yeah yeah, and he, Jeff he, Jeff Voorhees. Jeff Voorhees, yeah. yeah. And he, he he was telling us most likely the real reason why the shark kept on breaking down was uh he was a local kid to the island and him and all his friends would break into uh the area where the shark was at night and they'd be playing oh, yeah. on the shark and messing around with it and so that that's <laughs> why it was malfunctioning. So, you know, indirectly they're responsible for like cinematic brilliance. Because imagine this. All those great shots of the POV of the shark, which we know about Jaws, if the shark had worked, um, you know, those might not exist. So those kids made this movie as great as it was indirectly. Right. <laughs> okay, why are we talking about Jaws? I don't Because that's what we do here. That's what we do here. And and, and we, we kind of go off topic because we yeah, want to guess. I mean, it is yeah. just, I saw it, I mean, I saw it at USC film school for the first time on the big screen, and it was just it was breathtaking. I mean, it was like, this mm -hmm. movie is so great. Talk about a film that holds up. Films like, I think the film's almost 50 years old or something. Like Poltergeist. Uh, 70, when did that come out? 78, 76? 75. I think it was yeah. 75, wasn't it? Like 74, 70, I think 75. I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's 75. Yeah. But, but anyways, back to our amazing back guest. The, back at the ranch, yeah. Back to our amazing guest down here. Um, Leo, where, where can they find out more about this amazing guest? Show notes up above, down below. <laughs> he's pretty lucky. He's like, wow. Uh, uh, no, I, I saw comics. Uh, Van Zandt. Oh, he's uh, preoccupied. No. Yeah, but yes, I, yes, you can it. find out about our amazing guest in the comments. I mean, yeah, in the comments, <laughs> right? Yeah, in the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us today. Um, so yeah, you're going to be at a horror con coming up in December. Yes, and it's so, a Christmas. It's a Christmas horror con, right? And you know, and usually, usually you don't put those kind of things together. You don't put like Christmas and Santa, and like in horror convention. You don't do it. so. It's kind of a cool thing, you know. It's gonna be a lot of creepy freaking Santas walking around. I yeah. I can't wait to see what who shows up, and you know, I think this could be a trend. You know, I love it. Right, and right. Like how we were talking about, I think Tim Burton would approve. You know, he did Nightmare Before Christmas. So it's like peanut butter and jelly that just kind of go together. Horror yeah. Christmas now will be forever linked. Wouldn't it be more like peanut butter and fluff? Peanut butter and fluff. Yeah, yeah, I've never done that. Because it's Christmas I, and it's winter is, you know, yeah. fluff. I, I think that's a good flavor. As they say in the food shows, that's a good flavor profile. Yeah. Fluff and peanut butter. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> so that is the, the Terra Fest, a Christmas horror convention. And I believe it's Con Conroe, Texas. Conroe, Texas. I've I've Conroe, never Texas? been there. I've been to Houston. I think it's a suburb of of Houston. So I'll be there all weekend, and I'm ready to answer all everyone's poltergeist questions. So, um, nice. So, well, so Leo, you, I was going to ask me if if uh, he found that uh, trailer. I did. I did. All right. Well, we haven't gotten right, so into that yet. No, I know that. I just want to make sure he has. Yeah, it. yeah. I was actually, I was going to just send him a message. But yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. That, um, that was that was something else. Ben sent me last minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that was backstage, and you were I doing the Leo. Yeah. I'll be right back, guys. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I forgot what I was going to say. It's okay. So we're, it's that kind of night. 
So as far as um, I, I do have a question. I'm going to go back yes. to the poltergeist. I feel yes. Um, besides the clown, I mean, what was the scariest moment you had filming that? Well, this is the thing. You know, um, I wasn't scared at all making that film. There was actually nothing scary actually on set. And, you know, everything was like laid in afterwards and they shot the film completely out of order. And what makes it so interesting, and it's funny you ask that because we asked Toby, you know, on the set, we're like, we're supposed to be screaming at these ghosts and and all these things happening. And I said, we said, I asked Toby, I said, what, what exactly are we scared of? He says, we don't know yet, but just think (laughs) of the scariest thing that you can possibly think of. And that's what you're screaming at. So we, we all got in our heads. I, I had, I think I grew up in a haunted house and I was terrified of so many little odds and ends um, that I kind of tapped into those fears as a kid. So that's, for me, I was bringing out not what I was afraid of on set, but what I was afraid of in actual life. And I was kind of just channeling that, so to speak, you know. So like when we're looking at, like for instance, like when we're looking at the ghosts on the monitors, for instance, and they said to us, um, we were looking at plywood. We were just looking at boxes, and they and then Toby would just yell things out like the ghosts are walking down the stairs. You're looking. You're all looking. So we're all emoting, looking basically at nothing. And when the ghosts are flying around, he had like a stick, and he said, just "Follow this as your eyeline," and you're terrified. And he talked us through the scene too, and said, "Okay, the ghosts are coming in." I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know." So there was we were really acting against like like a back nothing really, you know. It was all That's in our minds. Cool. Yeah, it was really neat. I think if you're in any special effect movie like that, um, especially today with all the CGI, you're really mm-hmm. you have to just emote from you know from the inside and get it out there. Just you'd have to think of those scary things like wait yeah. till your father gets home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, you, yeah if your dad is like that, yeah, that's a good thing to use. <laughs> Well, you mentioned you mentioned uh, growing up, uh, and you thought the house was haunted. Have you uh, had any paranormal experiences? I, you know, it's so funny you asked that. Uh, I really didn't believe in that much. You know, I believe that there's a lot of questions unanswered in our universe, and which maybe we'll explain. But I went to this place with David, you know, uh, David from Terrifier, and mm. we were at a horror convention in Kentucky. We went to this place called the Waverly Sanitarium. I don't know if you've ever heard oh, of it. Yeah, Waverly Hills. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't think much of it. I thought it was kind of a joke. I was like, ah, this is nothing, you know. So, you know, we get there and they take it. They don't tell us anything in advance. And they said, just take us on this tour. I saw things that I cannot explain. They're the strangest things. So I saw these like caped things darting under doorways. And I'm like, and I asked the tour guide, I said, so um, what was that? And he's like, those are the shadow people. And I'm like, what? And he says, yeah, the shadow people. Like, it's a common, this is given, it always happens, people see it. And, you know, it's unexplained phenomenon. It's like, no big deal. Yeah, yeah it's no big deal. It's like, <laughs> yeah, shadow people, paranormal activities here. It's okay. It's all easy, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, And then, meanwhile, I felt like a pressure on my head. David um, had some whispering in his ear. And I was like, it was a really, I mean... It was a spooky place. We saw like orbs flying around. All of us saw orbs. And I thought maybe it was my eyes. I tried to debunk it, as they say. There was no traffic, no street lights. There was nothing. This place is in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. Um, but yet we saw orbs flying around. And all of us did. And I thought it was just me. I didn't even want to say anything because you're like, they'll think I'm insane. But <laughs> it, it's like, oh, I see orbs and I see these shadow things going under doorways. Yeah. But they were, but everyone saw them. So, um, I heard NASA speaking of NASA, you know, I'm into like Artemis and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, they supposedly they came out to the sanitarium to check it out. And I don't I'm not sure what they found, but that's what the, the tour guide supposedly told us. Not supposedly. I mean, he did tell us that and maybe they found out something, but I, I have no mm-hmm. idea. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I I'm into a lot of the like the paranormal <laughs> stuff. And uh, there's um, uh there's a place called Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I've, I've seen those kind of things on the History Channel. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's like yeah, uh, yeah. They got a show uh, show on History Channel, but they actually have a science crew there doing oh, wow. like experiments on the place and everything. And uh, uh, there's uh, a guy that actually worked for. Uh, he's done work for like NASA, the government. Um, but yeah, he he's like a, a a rocket scientist, and they got him on the ranch, like doing experiments and trying to find out stuff too. What did and, uh, he find? Did he did he discover any like 
Well, uh, the they you got to watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the biggest thing is, the biggest thing is they've uh, determined that there's a there's some sort of like a, a power source or something above the ranch um, that they've been trying to measure. But no mm. matter what they try to do to measure it, a lot of the tests go wrong. Uh, like uh, they'll you know right before they run a test, like everything breaks. There's a lot of power outages. Uh, so, um, either when that yeah. happens, you know, yeah, <laughs> damn aliens, you know, they just don't want us to learn anything about them. Well, they, they uh, <laughs> uh, there was a guy, uh, that does work for NASA there. They brought him in as a specialist, mm -hmm. uh, uh, with a weather balloon with all this, uh, 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 machinery on it for, for tracking. And they put it up. The weather balloon oh. disappeared. Wow. That's that's scary, you know. Yeah, the guy said he's been doing this for decades and he's never had a balloon disappear. Just makes you wonder, well, like, how does that how does that happen? Like, you know. Yeah. It, you crazy just stuff. Aliens. Just let the just let the air out of the balloon, it'll disappear. Yeah, that's yeah. They, you know, just let's just, the aliens just don't want us <laughs> to learn about them. You know, well, that's 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 the whole conspiracy. So, it's true. Well, there's reports <laughs> of shadow people on the ranch as well. So I don't know if there's like, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's maybe it's interdimensional people, or I don't know. And this is like the vortex—it's like poltergeist. It's like the vortex for entry for you know all these multiple worlds colliding at the Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. So in well, recap, yeah. folks, in recap: <laughs> we've we've covered poltergeist, Jaws, Skinwalker Ranch, and aliens, and everything, <laughs> all in one fucking show. And wow! The, and the night and the night has just begun. Right? Who knows what we may discover this evening? So everything's open. We, when you got out of Hollywood, like Jeff mentioned earlier, you went into behind the camera directing and writing. Um, and I believe I read somewhere that at the age of fifteen, you wrote and directed and produced a uh, a, a movie called The Crystal. Yes, uh, which was... won some uh, awards. I, you know, I, on the set of Poltergeist, um, I really fell in love with the whole filmmaking process. And I made these little Super 8 movies and I showed Mr. Spielberg my films. And he, and I, and I, and I, you know, I thought, I thought he liked them. And then one day he says, Oliver, I want to give you something. And he gives me the still, the silver case. And lo and behold, there's a Bolu 5008S. That's the name. It's a fancy Super 8 camera. And mm -hmm. he says, this is yours, and I want you to go make films. And um, so I start shooting little Super 8 claymation movies, and I, I make this epic film called Day Pac-Man Ate the Earth. And <laughs> I know, it's brilliant. This is a 10-year-old, you know, I think they should, we should do a remake today, you know, with, with ILM doing the effects. Basically, the storyline is Pac-Man, you know, saves, you know, is going to attack the Earth, but Miss Pac-Man um, dilutes his power with love and saves earth right before pac-man you know basically destroys the planet and this is my nine-year-old you know conception so i made that and that was my it was all claymation and i showed it to spielberg and he liked it and and i continued making little movies and eventually i was like you know i told him i said i'd like to potentially make films as a career and he said well you should go to film school um mm -hmm. and he told me to go to usc so uh, I said, how do I get in there? I mean, my grades are just okay. And I know it's really tough. And he said, it's okay. I'll write you a recommendation letter. So I said, okay, now I'm in, I'm, I'm going to USC film school. Steven Spielberg is going to write me a letter and he does. And they reject me. And, <laughs> and I'm like, how did this happen? I, you know, Steven has his name on the building outside. He's on the scoring stage. They have to let me in. But like, so they basically told me I, I was so, ballsy i guess i call up the the film school and i said you have to let me in you've got to let me in and they're like no we don't we won't and then they say we won't be told what to do by mr spielberg or anyone else so i said fine so actually i marched down to the film school and i managed to get a meeting uh with the dean of the film school and i show him my film i show him the crystal among other little movies and i said you gotta let me in you know and he says okay so he overrides the admission committee which is like i guess unheard of and they said, okay, it was like Animal House where they decided to put me on special status. And I said, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what is special status? He says, you have to maintain a 3.0 average for the consecutive four years at the school. Otherwise, you're out. And we're, you're going to have to meet with them uh, like your person 
like every semester at the beginning to see what your GPA is. And I always got the feeling there, some of the people didn't want me to pass. I don't know. It was really, it was like a scene of a film. I'd sit down for that meeting. They pull up my grades and they'd go, okay, I'll see you next semester. And that was it. So, and, and meanwhile, I mean, I had the best professors there, the best friends I've made films with, and they were fantastic. So it was totally worth it. But getting in there was a, was a small like nightmare. You had somebody well, on the admissions board that was having like a power trip, and yeah, I don't know what was going on there. It was the strangest thing, too. Um, and they just said, "We're not going to be told what to do um, by no by anyone, you know, out there." And you know, well, I, I mean, I little... can't argue that. You know, yeah. you know I can see the like conversation. That. Don't tell I... me what I can and can't do. No, I could just see That's the conversation. You know, no, you Stephen know? wouldn't put me in the movie. Why should I let him in the school? No, you know, it's not happening. I, so many students. I mean, this is them at USC film. It's the best place. You learn everything. It's like boot camp. But there's a lot of love-hate relationships I learned when I was there, which was so interesting. Um, I, I don't know if this is true. Maybe you guys can find this out, whether this is like hearsay, urban legend or whatnot. But I heard like John Carpenter, you know, got in trouble, I guess, for not using equipment that he wasn't allowed to use, making this movie Dark Star. So I guess there was bad blood with him in the film school. So they eventually, you know, when he became very successful, they they wanted money from him, uh, as as USC always asked for that. So I guess he wrote a two letter. He wrote uh, on a page. He sent it back to USC and had two words at the center of the page. And I'll let you guess what those two words were. Mm -hmm. Have a nice day. Yeah, F you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true, but I, I heard that at USC. Um, and even though I, you know, I, I'm, I'm disparaging the, the, the film school name right now, I think it's the best place. I mean, I really, I recommend going there. I think it's the best program. I think you will meet great people. You have the best professors and it's, it's, you learn everything you need to do to make a movie there. So it is, it's a fantastic place to go to film school. Wow. What, what are you working on, Leo? Uh, looking up that, uh, John Carpenter. Okay. I don't know if that's true. I'd be really right. curious. But that well, was... I think I figured Jeff Jeff wants to to get into uh, the 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 trailer that you have, but I'm going to let yeah. him br bring that. I'm going to let him bring that in if he remembers. The you have a, yeah, you have a film that's out. You worked on it. Uh, COVID when COVID was here. Yes, we were, I did this film. I did it. We made this film in uh, Florida, where I am actually right now. Um, it was in the height of the summer, and it's about this. Uh, fan who becomes obsessed with this actor who was in this 1980s cult classic movie called Chain Face Clown. And she's what becomes the super fan and she seduces him. And when she, he doesn't want to spend his whole entire life with her, he, she goes in the plan B and basically traps him and lives out her fantasies and has reenact scenes and even tries to write a sequel to the movie that he was in. And all these crazy things happen. And it's called Celebrity Crush. And now it's out, if I can promote it, on Yes, Prime on Apple and all those places. I think it's on even on Tubi right now too, so you can watch Celebrity Crush on Tubi. So, <laughs> yeah, here's nice. Leo has a gift. I do. Maybe. I'm not going. Honey, you're gonna have all these fans lining up to meet you. I know. You're gonna sign a few DVDs and then come back to me. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pete O'Shea Show. I'm excited right now because Jonathan's going to be signing Chain Face Clown, the Blu-ray re-release. Go see him today. Fans come to the show to sleep with their favorite horror star, which is you. Hey, I'm Jonathan Blakely. My name's Emily. Do you want to hang out later? There's a tattoo of my face on your leg. Are you freaked out? I really have to get going. You and I were just so good together. It was like I finally met my soulmate. And we should just keep in touch online. You're staying right oh. here. This is your new home. I'm Chain hey, Face's yeah. biggest fan. Chain. Hey, kid. Are you awake? Where am I right now? Emily, what's going on? You and I could write a prequel to show how that killer came to life. Oh, let me out of here now! You love having your fans fawn over you. Can I confess something to you? I just want to go home. I won't let you! Ah! I now have part of you with me. Always. Scream! Ah! <laughs> you told me about you. I made it like you doesn't even know love is! Goodbye, Jonathan. <laughs> let us go, please.
can't out! That oh, looks yeah. pretty cool. cool. We're, we shot cool. that. The height of the summer saw so that sweat and everything is, is real. Um, so, yeah, it was really fun to do. It was it was hard because I was directing and acting on many of the same scenes. So mm. uh, that it really makes you appreciate someone like Clint Eastwood. It just makes it look seem so easy. And, it, and it's not. So, right. Clint. Clint. Uh, Clint. Clint brings in Clint. Yeah. <laughs> no, that looked uh, that looked trippy as hell. I think I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah, uh -huh. it was. Yeah, it turned out well. And the actress Alyssa, she was great playing the psycho, and she isn't like that at all. And it's weird because you know we've shown it at some like film festivals, and people are like, "I want to meet." Like they they like her insane side, and Alyssa's this really sweet gal, and she's not like that character at all. But they're like falling in love with the crazy gal that's that she portrays in the movie. Mm -hmm. Most most of them do. <laughs> the crazier the better. They yeah. Mm -hmm. it's but yeah, it was, it was, she she brought it out of her. She was fantastic. So what was the drive behind making that? Like it, for you, I you know I I hadn't acted in years, and my friends were like, you know, you should act in a movie again. And I'm like, I haven't acted since I was like a kid. And I was thinking of making Celebrity Crush anyways, and I was thinking, you know, I should just try out my hand, play this part. All my friends were like really supportive in film school. They're like, just go for it. Whatever happens, happens. So um, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to act in this film. Um, and it was, it was pretty intense because it was a fast and furious shoot. And you just had a, for me, at least, you know, when you're directing, you're using such a different side of your brain, you have to turn off one side and turn on the other. Um, and then you have to call cut. And then you have to be thinking, you know, objectively about you have to look at your shot list. But then you're going back to another piece of coverage. You have to be emoting again. And for me, at least, it was really hard to go in and out of, you know, character. Um, mm -hmm. and, and at the same time, you're screaming and then you have to call cut. And then you're trying to tell the crew, um, this is what I want you to do. So I found that, for the, especially for this kind of genre, um, that was really challenging. I could see that. Being an assistant yeah. director. I, and, and that's what I've heard. I mean, like, that's if you have a great assistant director, um, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of the secret I've heard with Clint Eastwood too. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. yeah. Got to give up those reins. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, sh everyone should watch the movie now, and it's, right? it's free on Tubi as well too. Right. That's yeah, awesome. Uh, I'll have to see. It. I haven't Amazon seen Prime. it yet. Yeah. Which you can find out about in the show notes up above. Down below, our guest. Hey, just if you go look at our right guest show Hello. notes, it's gonna, it's gonna have. There's a paper trail there. Trust me, just you, you'll find it. It's all there. <laughs> well, so you so, were in another horror movie too, right? The Rideshare Killer. Yeah, the Rideshare Killer. Yeah. Ashley Myers. Yeah, my friends, I, yeah, my friend Ashley is a really great filmmaker. He wrote a script that I actually directed. He's like Oliver. I'm doing this little movie. Um, that's like the psycho rideshare killer guy, and I'm like, do you want to be in it? And I'm like, sure. So it turns out I get to act with, and this is only recently with uh, Eric Roberts, and he was great. And I never, I was so great to act with an actor of his caliber as in a grown up. I acted with a lot of great actors when I was a kid, but I was an adult now, and he was fantastic on set. And someone at his level is just so professional, and you know, he makes jokes and just makes it a very you know lighthearted environment that you just mm -hmm. you know it's, it, you're not you're not taking yourself so seriously. And he was fantastic in it. So. Right. Yeah, we we had the pleasure of having him on the show, much uh, seven, seven or eight months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's he great. is a great guy, great guy. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's some great. Yeah. God, he's been in some great movies too. <laughs> Here we yeah, go. We're going to talk about the Eric Roberts movies now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Let's talk about Star Eighty. No, we don't have to go yeah. there. <laughs> well, so, so talking about celebrity crush, has there been any time at a convention where you've had like a, a fan that you kind of feel is a little off center or, or any well, issues aggressive creeped you out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. I was in I was in the south at this um, at this this horror convention there, and someone comes up to me, this lady, and she has these containers, and I'm wondering what are these containers? It turns out to be honey. And she says, I, I got you this honey, Oliver. I have this honey for you. And I'm like, um, that's great. And I take it and I, I'm appreciative of the honey. And I get it was a lot of work to get this from the bees. And, you know, so then I don't think much about it. 
And then she realized, and I didn't realize, but that was, that was a rite of passage. That was a connection of marriage pretty much that I was going to have to be with her pretty much forever. Cause I sucked at this honey. So, and she says, Oliver, I gave you this honey. I, I, and I'm like, I know I really appreciate it. And she's like, she was very upset that I didn't want to um, follow through with the, the relationship now that we had with the connection of the honey. So that, that was, mm-hmm. it was rather bizarre. I don't, I never, I never, I didn't realize like honey was part of the, like a mating ritual or, or, or something. Maybe it is. Was her, was her name B? What? Was her name B? Yeah, of course. That was her name. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was pretty yeah. crazy. And that kind of inspired, honestly, that kind of inspired Celebrity Crush. I, I just took, Celebrity Crush is more of a black comedy horror. I mean, it's so crazy yeah. and, so, and so over the top, you know. But that moment, I was thinking, what if, like, you, you had that moment as an actor, you know? Um, I see a sequel. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Well, you say you saved the honey part for the sequel. Well, yeah, that'll be the next installment too. We're gonna do a Kickstarter and we'll raise money, and we need we need funding for our independent horror movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, people actually, you know, it's funny because it's um, Celebrity Crush is kind of a movie within a movie because we show parts of Chain Face Clown, the film that's kind of that this kid was in um, years earlier. So we thought it'd be cool to actually shoot Chain Face Clown. As a feature, you know, that would be cool. So I don't know if there's anyone's out there that wants to do the Kickstarter for Chain Face Clown. I'm behind it 100%. Right? I'm ready. Oh, Chain Face Clown. Chain Face Clown. I like it. I like the title of it. I do too. I do too. And we and we know some people. I that might, that might know some what, people. clowns. Yeah. No, that might, might. We know people that might know some people that know a few people. Uh, I know people that 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 actually get behind things like that. Let's 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 make it happen. Indep- oh, independent no. films, content, and you can do so many. What's so great about independent film? Um, you don't have to get any approval. You just like go with it, and for better or worse, sometimes you get like genius, and other times you're like, maybe we shouldn't have done that. You know, maybe that doesn't quite work. You know, there's something to be said for the studio system, and you know, I've written scripts at that level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the development process, you you hate it um, yeah. when you're working at the studio level. But at the same time, it's it movies from Hollywood are the way they are. Um, and and because of that polish and that process, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, so I see both sides. Right, right. Absolutely. So, I mean, we're talking about Celebrity Crush and, you know, a potential sequel and, and, and stuff. And did, did anybody see this comment that came in? I did. I put it up there. I missed it. Hey, Jeff, my sexy husband. You have a... I don't know who that is. I, I don't I, know, I, dude. I, but Yeah. Yeah. Well, no maybe that, that was supposed to be for another podcast. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Roxanne says <laughs> she'll play me. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you for that. We'll, we'll definitely <laughs> if we, uh, the movie happens. Oh, my... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yep. Okay, and and that's that's our show. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the magic of the show. I'm, so, what right? do you what do you got coming up? You said you got that horror thing coming up, Christmas horror. I have well, that, and you know, just, right now I'm just I'm just writing scripts and hoping to get a couple things going. And there's nothing. I don't have any big announcements, unfortunately, but, you know, I'm, I'm working on different odds and ends in Hollywood. And it's funny, like people don't realize it takes years sometimes to get things off the ground. Oh, we know. Oh, you guys know, but we audience at large and you see that. And and I have appreciation for all movies because it it is even the worst films, you know, are so hard to get and to make and get finding funding for. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that alone, when you see something in Amazon Prime, you're like flip through it. And you're like, oh, this thing sucks. It might suck, and that's very true. But it would. You, you, I just appreciate the magic and the the hard work and the commitment. So yeah, we haven't we haven't put ours on Amazon Prime. We're still on YouTube with it. YouTube's good. <laughs> YouTube's good. I think you know. I made this one film. Um, and uh, if you're out there, I'll, this is a message to my distributor, uh, who I haven't heard from like in years. And it's called 29,000 Wishes, One Regret. And it's been on Roku. And that's one of the things about independent filmmaking is that mm-hmm. you might not hear from your distributor. And I, 
I never heard from these guys, but they're still getting the film out there. And uh, if you're if you're listening to this podcast for Twenty Eight Thousand One One Regret, please contact me. I, I'd love to talk to you about the movie. <laughs> it was a little drama I did, and that was a film I made. Um, uh, literally, our budget must have been like twenty five hundred dollars. I'm not even exaggerating. Wow. Um, uh, my girlfriend did sound. And I operated camera and we had a couple of friends edit and I edited a big chunk of the movie. And I just wanted to see, you know, I was talking about film school, if I could basically wear all the hats and finish a movie at that budget range and, you know, shoot it and edit it and all those things. And we did it. And it's, and you can watch it. I think it's on daily motion and on, I think it's on Roku too, as well. So hmm. check out 29,000 wishes, one regret. I'll have to write that one down. Yeah, you I already did. Drama, so, did you? Yeah. You already wrote that down? Yeah. Well, aren't you fucking special? Look at, look at you, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? It's out there. 29 wishes in, in one regret. No, it's regret. One regret. Yeah, one regret. One regret. <laughs> That's the, that'll be the sequel. That's the sequel, right? The regret. The regret part. <laughs> so, uh, for everybody tuning in late, because we know how it is, um, Oliver, aka Robbie, uh, will be at TerraFest in Conroe, Texas, December 17th and 18th. No excuses. None. Get off Everyone the has to go. You guys have to come down Get and see me and yeah. we'll talk poltergeist. I'll, like I said, I will answer all your poltergeist questions. And I know everyone has like millions of them. I mean... You also, I mean, not just Poltergeist, but you were in a in a, in a rather large comedy in Airplane Two, yes. correct? Yeah, Airplane Two. Mm-hmm. I love doing that. My dream. When I started Airplane as a kid. My dream was to be in Airplane, and lo and behold, there are holding auditions, and I met with the director, Ken Finkelman, great, really sweet guy, you know, and he did a, such a great uh, version of the script, and I felt so bad for him. And honestly, that we're just being honest here, talking, he wrote a really original draft of of the Airplane movie. And the studio at the time made him rewrite the whole film so it was identical in many ways to the first one. And not to say the first one wasn't genius in its own right, but he came up with such original comedy that really never made it to the screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that it really showed you, you know, what can happen. You know, you make a movie at the studio level. So, right. um, but Airplane 2 was so much fun to do. And I, and I had a great time doing it. And all the people and Robert Hayes and Julie Haggerty were, they were so kind to me. And, you know, and it was a great change of pace because I had never done comedy before. And right. I got to be just completely over the top, you know, in every one of the scenes. I got a pie in the face and and uh, it was just I wasn't screaming. I didn't have like gook on my on my body. And it was nice to wear a little suit when I went there. It was <laughs> it was it was so much fun to do airplane. Too. I loved it. Well, yeah, it's kind of like another classic. Yeah, you got to hold a puppy dog for a while, you know. I know it's funny. Everything I acted as a kid, I always had a pet, and and I learned a lot about dogs too. And I and thank God I, I loved animals. Um, and on the set, um, the trainer they never they never hit the animals and never punished them. They were treated with love, kindness, and goodies. And I always had in my pocket uh, a couple little meat treats for the guy, for the dogs. And they said when he when he does this, give him a treat, and he's your dog. It's and so. He took command. All the dogs always took commands from me. Like Rip, Rip was the name of the dog from Poltergeist, and uh, his screen name was Ebuzz. But the little dog uh, Scraps, he was so such a sweet little doggy, you know. So I love working with pets and all the movies. That's awesome, nice, you know. But you you played you have played both ends of the spectrum, from one of the scariest horrors to one of the funniest comedies. Which side do you prefer best, or is is it just equally? I I just enjoy. You know, it's funny. Um, it's interesting to ask that question because I kind of got into acting because I was beat up so much as a little boy, mm. and I was a little guy. I mean, I was a little guy, you know, in the schoolyard, and I had to make myself bigger. I had to act. So I kind of credit those bullying experiences to my acting background because you have eight guys that are towering over you. You have to make yourself seem bigger or do something to kind of. Make sure you don't get pummeled and end up in a trash can. <laughs> so um, I always pretended to be someone else. And I kind of channeled that. And that's what allowed me to do, you know, become a different person. And getting back to your question about comedy or drama, it really doesn't matter to me. I love just being someone else and moving mm-hmm. into that 
that become that person you live and you breathe that human you know it's a new right. person you become um because it's an old cliche you know the from acting classes you know acting is not acting it's being and you know it's a cliche but it's actually so so true so if you're doing comedy you're in that moment and you're playing and this is what i always tell actors when i'm working with them as a director and no matter what you're doing you want to play it real you want to be in the moment so you're not pushing for the joke the, the joke if the joke is there it will be found and the same thing with drama or or being terrified if you're scared the camera is is like a lie detector it, it you know it's gonna it's gonna test your honesty and the audience can see it especially mm. when it's on a huge screen so i just i just try to be that person and live in that moment no matter what i'm doing excellent yeah simple advice yeah, yeah it was I, that was it was very well put so uh is there anybody that you'd like to work with that you haven't had the chance well, I, you know, it's funny. I'd like to direct a movie for Steven Spielberg now. I, I, I've acted as a kid. I'd, Steven, if you're out there, I'd like to do, I'd love to do a movie um, under his auspices because he's just, he's such, the, he's the genius, you know. And it was so funny because we I was working on a screenplay at 20th Century Fox. And um, the these are guys who made some pretty big films. And they even said to me, they're like children. Um, they said, hey, when the script's done, would you show it to Steven to get his notes? Because he's the, you know, you can be a professional filmmaker, but you'll never be at his level because he's such the master of cinema of, of filmmaking. So they wanted to get notes if a movie got made. And he's the guy who could give you great notes and, you know, because he can anticipate what audiences think and feel. And um, he truly is the master filmmaker. So if I got to work with anyone, you know, before I leave this earth, I'd like to uh, make a movie for him. That would be cool. that, Steve. Yeah, Mr. Spielberg. You know, come on, on. Rob, it's Robbie. You have to do it. <laughs> has to. You yeah. have to do it, Steve. But I, it's Robbie. I, just feel, yeah. I mean, honestly, I just feel so great that I, I was such a... a He's a out there saying, nah, I saved his ass once already. <laughs> get this one, get a jail free card. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> well, come on, I landed on free parking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't I get something for that? I, and honestly, I mean, it's so. I mean, I just feel blessed that I got opportunity just to work with him. I mean, right. you know, it was like he was like, and I think in the history of cinema in the 20th century, he's probably you know in the top five filmmakers. You know, especially in the oh, genre and the impact. Yeah, had oh, absolutely. Movie, you know, absolutely. <laughs> so so yeah. I, I knew I knew somebody. I could see it in Leo's face. Yeah, so I, just, I know. Go ahead. So you've gone from uh, trading stocks to making films acting uh what do you do in your downtime or what do you dork out about like like what's one thing that you know like uh you know we we had like bruce valanche on and like he liked uh you know studying the history of like sunken ships and stuff like that uh is there something unique that that you uh you uh really dork out about hmm I just love, you know, you're going to laugh. I know this sounds totally insane. Maybe it's the dystopian side of me, but I like studying like nuclear holocaust scenarios. I know it sounds awful. And just dystopian weird, you know, things like that. And I, you know, honestly, I guess it's something when I was a kid, I was so afraid. I grew up in the 80s and I was so afraid of uh, nuclear holocaust. So I, I love studying history and Cold War history and all mm -hmm. the different things. And I, and it's not like I, I want to see a nuclear war occur. I mean, God, no. I, I actually don't ever want to see that ever happen. But it's really interesting. I love to study those aspects of history and, you know, and humanity mm -hmm. and all the reasons why those events happen, everything from the Cuban Missile Crisis to, you know, to present day situations. And I've really been into, like, I love reading about geopolitics. And when I was at USC, I, I almost majored in poli-sci, believe it or not. I know that's so different than cinema. Um and I remember a professor there was like, you should you should switch your major from film to political science. So I love I love studying politics and I won't get into politics, but I like um, reading about history. And I'm a really big you know, mm -hmm. history buff, even going back to the, you know, the Civil War. So I, yeah. I guess in my downtime, I'd love to read about those events and think about them and consider them. And, you know, I, I think it's just it's an intellectual kind of game in my head. And I my friends and I talk about it, too, from USC and we have to discuss these things and. It'd be great to make a historical movie, you know. I was just gonna say, I do I see a documentary coming I, in the near I, future? I'd love to do it. I mean, I love docs, and I think I've never made a doc before. Um, and I think they're really hard to make. I really, 
Mm. I, I think it's a, such a challenge and maybe I could do it, but I'd like to do I like narrative filmmaking only because you can control the storytelling. You know, the story you're going to tell with, with all my friends who make docs, you don't know the story you're going to get till you're on set and it's not even a set. So it's happening. And then the story's kind of comes to you and it's created with narrative filmmaking. You know, you know exactly, you know, shot by shot, how you're going to tell your story. True. So that That's kind of my feeling. Not to say if there wasn't a subject matter that was just so brilliant that you're like, you know, we gotta, we gotta tell this as a doc, but I, I think it, I, I, those are so challenging. I don't know if I'm even capable of doing that. Of course you are. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah. You have to, you, <laughs> you have to have faith in yourself. Yeah, and I mean, I think look at, you're right. look I mean, at, with the right subject matter, yeah. anything's possible. Yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, look at the things that you've created and things you've been part of, you know, 40 years plus. That is really true. You I, know? I was just, I was just a kid. I mean, with Poltergeist is just so amazing that they, it was like lightning in a bottle, you know, that, and it really how many things truly worked on that movie, you know, and having made films, now, I'm amazed at what happened on that set, you know? Yeah. And my understanding is they came ahead of schedule and under budget. And how many times do you hear about that on a studio film? You know, but I think producers, you had Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy, see it all in Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg. So you have this great team, you know, and, you know, they say, you know, 90% of a director's job is casting. And, and I think Toby and Steven truly chose the right actors for every part in that. And it really does show on the screen. They didn't rush it. And I think that was really, that's really key. Sometimes you see movies and you're like, they just rushed into doing it. And they, they right. chose great actors, but, you know, are they really right for that role? And the chemistry isn't there. Well, uh, you know, of course they came under budget. They moved the headstones without moving the bodies. Yeah. They, they, had, they, had help from the, they had the help from the spirit world. So, of course, they're going to, you know. <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense, right? I was waiting for something. Like, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was waiting. I, was, I knew it was coming sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, now that we back... All the way back to Poltergeist. Back to Poltergeist, yes. Was there anything creepy on the set that happened? You know, behind nothing, the scenes, like you know, there was nothing. You know, it's the thing. There was nothing that nothing that didn't that doesn't happen in any other set. Um, there wasn't anything creepy at all. I mean, uh, yeah, I never had any issues. I'm trying to think. Is there anything like totally crazy? And there really wasn't on that set. So I just had a for me. Poltergeist, the set was like going to camp. And I remember like, it was so great the way they introduced me to everything too. Mm. Um, like Frank Marshall it would tell me like, we're going to go back to the set. We built this house. And the way they introduced the tree to me, they never said, oh my God, this is a scary thing. And you're going to be terrified. And, you know, they never made it feel like it was going to be a challenge. They made it feel like it was going to camp. That's the best way I could describe it. Every day was like a new adventure. And then we presented it to me. They made it really fun. Like, for instance, the scene when we're being sucked into the closet and they said, what we're going to do, Oliver, is we're going to we're going to give you a harness. And I'm like, OK, and you put this on and put wires and you attach them to this wall and to the wall. And the room's going to actually change or go on an angle. So the camera, it's like a forced perspective. Camera's going to be here and you're going to be falling, you know, falling towards the camera. And then we're going to animate. And I said, How, what about the wires? Because I was that kind of kid. I wanted to know. It says we're going to do something called rotoscoping. So we're going to blow up every frame. And we're going to animate the wires out. So you won't even see those will be invisible. So that's how they did the scene when I'm being sucked in the closet. Mm. And this is, you know, before CGI or anything right, else. Right. It's all physical, pretty much physical effects. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. So awesome. you got to fly. Yeah. It was a, a, you've never been on a harness. But it's, it's a, it's a blast to do that. I loved it as a kid too. You're just flying around. And they swing you. And I love, uh, yeah, I had a blast doing that. Is uh is there anything left from set that you kind of like snuck off or or hid <laughs> or took? <laughs> no, but I have one thing. Um, at the rap party, Mr. Spielberg gave me one of the slates, and I think there were like four or five of them. And he said, "Here's here's here's a slate for the movie." And he really thanked me for doing my job, you know. And I thanked him because it was the it was the best experience ever. That's so really I have the slate from Poltergeist, and when I'm That's off this earth, I wanted to go. I'll put it on record. 
<laughs> I don't want it to end up in someone's personal collection. I want the Poltergeist slate to go to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So when they, 70 years from now, and they're doing the exhibit on Toby Hooper or Steven Spielberg or anybody, that they bring it out and they put it out there and everyone can go, okay, that was a, that was the slate from Poltergeist. That would be really cool. Yeah. And that, that and I think really it's good. a good place for it to go, to be preserved for our eternity. Right. Makes sense. Right. Yeah. So we have about four or five minutes left uh, for the show because I know Leo has another one. We're running a little late. Uh, any questions and comments out there in, in Cyberland? You, now's the time to get them up here. I mean, comments have been coming in all night, but if you got a question oh. for this amazing guest, I'd say you get it up there. Otherwise, Jeff and yes. Leo are going to suck up the last yep. four minutes. And I promise to answer it to the best of my ability. <laughs> Yeah, because these two are definitely going to suck up the, the next three minutes and 30 seconds. You see how I keep bringing it down, right? Because I yeah, keep talking. It's, it's <laughs> sticking. You know, we got it. Ask your questions. Well, you got it. You got it. Jeff, uh, you have chicken waiting for you. Chicken? Is it chicken tonight? Um, ribs. What's that's for dinner? Good. That sounds good. Uh, no, I think I think it's a steak. I, I, had, I had supermarket sushi. It wasn't the best. But, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not sick. I'm not. I don't have food poisoning, so I I feel ahead. <laughs> true any, that. True any, that. Any sushi meal you know you don't get sick from from the supermarket, you're in good shape. That's right. <laughs> uh, just uh, just a quick question about poltergeist. Um, was there any sort of like uh, kind of paranormal experts like the unset to like uh, you know guide or or you know give uh suggestions no i i i think i'm poltergeist too will samson um he blessed this is my understanding i didn't ever saw him do it but i know on poltergeist too he blessed the set i think i you know because i think he was a shaman too the actor i'm not sure you could google that I'm, everything's out there mm. but yeah he blessed the set um and that was a i mean that was a difficult shoot for has nothing to do with paranormal activity you know that film was just that was a hard film for i think for the filmmakers to make the mm. sequel so it was good. I think it was good that Will uh, he blessed the set. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. So there's your. I was hearing a dog. Answer. You were hearing a dog. That, yeah. That's My dog. The, I think. That's from the other universe. That's from the other multiverse. That's yeah, yeah. Yep. ours. That's the yeah. dog. It, it's a shadow dog, that's, Jeff. It's a shadow. It's, it's one of the skinwalkers. Like the shadow. One of the shadow. The aliens. Dogs. Aliens heard this conversation and they. They wanted to make themselves known. See, it's coming through the screen from you. Yeah, it's it's coming from uh, yeah. I'm I actually I didn't want to tell you guys I have a vortex of energy like Skinwalker Ranch above my house and I and this alien activity. I just didn't want to mention it. Great, great. We'll watch this back tomorrow and go. Where did this hour go? Yeah, right. If I, if I, we're if there, I, but we're not. I, if I end up back on the mothership, don't be mad. Just just know what happened. <laughs> this is my last interview on Earth before the aliens took me. Yeah, but so don't you go and I'll go. They will return him. Get me. They, they will. It's like return no, look. It's December. like close encounters. You know, I will yeah. come back one day. I, they can't yeah. guarantee when, but I, I will come back. Oh, but we know when. You'll be back December seventeenth and eighteenth. Yeah, but you know what? That is so true. The aliens, they 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 have they've already booked it. You they have Texas. to bring you back. I got to do right. the hard mention. There's no way I could be on the mothership and miss that. Right. Exactly. You know? I'll, so, I'll talk to him about that. I think I have it all worked out. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So, like I said, December 17th and 18th in Conroe, Texas. The and I'll horror, be there. The Terra Festa Christmas Horror Convention. So, like I said earlier, there's no excuses. Get off your couches. Walk down, drive down, fly down, whatever you need to do. Whatever you head have to down, do get there. That's all that matters. Right. You have to right. Go lock those doors and you have to come see me. Bring them something just really, really weird, just not honey. Yeah. Just don't bring me honey, containers of honey. <laughs> right. No honey. Else. I, no Kool Aid or honey or, you know, uh, yeah. I as long as you do that, we're, I think we're in good shape. But if we have a tattoo of his face, yeah, just and you know, try to avoid having a tattoo of my face on any body part. You know, I, I appreciate the commitment, <laughs> but uh, maybe avoid that part too. But 
That's great. <laughs> so with that, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening. And uh, you know me, just Google Leo Pond. You'll find a bunch of stuff. Could be true. Could be not. I'm not going to say which is which, but I run the Dorfman Podcast Network. We've got a ton of awesome shows on the network. There's a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Uh, and uh, like Ben said, I'm going to be doing another live show in about 45 minutes. Uh, so 9 p.m. <coughs> back here. And uh, Oliver, where do you like people interacting with you on the social medias? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm kind of late to the show with Instagram, so I don't have a lot of followers. So you'll be you'll be one of the first. Um, so you can interact with me in those places. And, you know, I really have to get more into Twitter and everything else. So, yeah, reach me on Facebook and Instagram and uh, we can chat. Yeah, and uh, get on TikTok and Mastodon and, uh, yeah, all of that. I have to get into that, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of old school. I'm, I'm more on Facebook and Instagram, I guess. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with nope, that. Yeah. yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah, I don't do any of that stuff. You can find us at uh, stilltoken.com, though. Talking with the dead on Facebook. Don't Google me. Google Leo. He's got some cool shit you could look at. <laughs> Benjamin. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, like Jeff said, stilltoking.com. You can find out everything you want to know about us from the comic book to the TV series to the animation to what we have going on next. We don't know what it is either. It just happens. Um, but no, definitely want to thank Oliver coming out and hanging out with us tonight and just doing what we do, you know, enjoying life and having fun. To all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We're out of here. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. So come on. Hey.